What's up, my people? We got breaking news here. Before we jump into this podcast episode with Anthony Trucks, I got to share with you some really exciting things that are happening in my life and my brother's life. We just signed a contract and we are now going on tour for five months around the U.S. to Detroit, New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Miami, Texas, we're going to Nashville, we're going literally all around the U.S. with a man named Charlie Rocket. His real name is Charlie Jabbly. He is on a mission to make one million dreams come true, and our missions aligned so much that we agreed to come on board with him to make amazing video for him and document his whole journey and to be there to help market the events, to market his his mission, his movement, and to really just go out there and be a light in the world that's really full of a lot of darkness right now. And so we cannot wait to do that. And I just wanted to make that announcement to you and that I will be documenting the journey on this podcast. I'll be documenting it through my social platforms and really I'll be doing my best to share the light that we are spreading into the world with you. And so I will still be releasing two podcast episodes every single Monday on this journey because I want to keep sharing with you all the good stuff that I am learning and I want to make sure that I'm helping you on your journey, just like I am being helped on mine by so many other amazing people. And so now we can jump into this episode. I just want to give you that exciting announcement and say stay tuned because there will be very exciting stuff to come. Version failure is one of the most powerful ones because it's, it's accepting that this version that you created was the best you could at the time. However, you learn something to make the next one better why iPhone 11 exists, about to be iPhone 12, right? Because mm-hmm. iPhone 1 came out and they took the information. They didn't go, well, no one likes this and the screen's slow. I'm done making phones. They say, hey, this is the best we can do. Let's make it better. And they just got mm-hmm. the feedback, took the lumps and kept on moving. This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life, the young and the curious, the dreamers and the doers, to those who crave to be a strong individual and want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. What's going on, my fellow students of life, dream chasers, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers out there? This is your host, Tim Bishop. Welcome back to another episode of the Dreamology Podcast, where we are here studying how to make your dream life a reality, not anybody else's, but yours. We are creating your dreams, we are manifesting them, and we are making them happen. And the reason this podcast exists is because that the schooling system and society doesn't really teach us how to fully embrace our dreams, our path, and our journey. So that's what we're up to here today. And today's guest, Anthony Trucks, has an amazing story. When he was three years old, he was put into the foster care system. And despite countless moments of adversity through his childhood, he made it all the way to the NFL. Now, this is just the beginning of his story because when he made it to the NFL and his dreams came true, they quickly were snatched away from him as he had a career-ending injury before he even got to play in one game. Now, this led Anthony down a path of depression, which eventually led to him being suicidal and almost wanting to take his life. And this one things turned around for Anthony, and this is what we talk about here today, is that what he needed to do was make a shift in identity. And the big thing we talk about here today, which is actually a whole new concept for me, is he says that it's not a shift in mindset that people need to make. It's a shift in identity. You need to figure out really what your full potential is and what you're striving for. And stop asking yourself the question, who am I? But ask yourself the question, who do I want to be? And Anthony's big thing is that success only happens when you are aligned with your core values, your identity, and your life mission. And so this episode is all about stepping into your identity, who you want to be in this world, and how you can become the person that is capable of achieving those big dreams that you want to achieve. Anthony has now shared his message with millions of people around the world, and now I get to share his message with you. I hope you enjoy it. All right, my fellow dream chasers, students of life, entrepreneurs out there, and young bucks out there trying to make their dreams a reality. We are very excited to have Anthony Trucks on the show today. 
Anthony, how you doing, man? I'm very excited, too, to be on the show. I'm with you guys in that one. Let's go. Cool, man. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't like to, to give my guests uh, an intro because I don't think it always does it justice. So my first question is always just, who is Anthony Trucks? Man, this is interesting because we're going to talk about identity today. And it's, it's funny. There's a part of your brain called the default mode network. And it's, it's a you know, collection of little parts of your brain. So what's funny is when I start to say who I am, my identity, the part of who I am in my brain actually, that actually is me, shuts off. It's funny. It's kind of weird. But then when, like, when you daydream and you start thinking about stuff or you see something, you're kind of in flow. That's mm-hmm. your true identity. Very interesting. So what I'll mm-hmm. say from the conscious part of my brain, Anthony, uh, he's a man of God. He's a, he's a husband. He's a father. He's also a coach. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's a guy that, uh, that has a really specific purpose to be here, which I believe is to, uh, to make something of, some, of craziness and show other people it's, <laughs> it's genuinely possible, but not only that it's possible, but exactly how to do it themselves. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. Well, I want to start this, this kind of episode off a little bit unique too, because I feel like you just have a pretty insane backstory, honestly. And I kind of want to just let you run with it for a bit. I know it starts way back when you were in foster care at three years yeah. old and it builds. And I would love to just sit here and just kind of hear you run through you know, Absorbing, the big, huh? the big huh? parts of your story and just sort of, yeah, take it all in before I ask any more questions. Yeah, I'm all for it, man. So uh, let everybody tuck in. You should a little blanket, <laughs> yeah. some, some cup some of popcorn. tea. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no but I'll, I'll take it back and realize that I'm going to share my story. And although the aspects of the story you may hear, you may say, I don't, I've never experienced that, but I will make it clear how you have experienced the emotion of it and how it actually is very clearly played true in your life in a lot of different areas. So I was given away to foster care at three years old. So if you've ever had that feeling of like, I'm less than, I'm not good enough. Nobody cares about me. I'm, I'm lonely. I'm solo. I'm off of my own. That's how I felt the very beginning memories of my life. My mom gave my, you know, me and my three siblings away to a system that didn't treat us very well. Like, uh, in fact, we were abused, like a lot of craziness happened, man. And so for a lot of years, you know, I was bouncing around, I think five different homes, just getting treated like trash, man, putting shopping carts, pushed down hills, having to be forced to lick the bottom of neighbor kids' shoes, just really heinous stuff, man. So at six years old, this is when this was going on three to six, man, I landed in the family, which is my family now. Uh, and I've always kind of had this weird identity kind of issue that's floating in the background of who am I? And we've all had that question. Who am I? Like, why am I here? What the, what the, why is my, why do I <laughs> exist? You know, like, why do I exist out of these trillions of people that I beat? to become the human that got born. And so for me, I landed this family, which is still my family, but I grew up in a very poor, all white family as a black man. So a lot of weird diversity dynamics of, of where I fit and you know, societally where I grew up, we didn't have many black people. So it's just this weird kind of like, I get called names at school and I got no one to talk to about it. I, nobody, even, you know, nobody I know gets it. I didn't know another black person really until mm. like middle school and then mostly high school, a very interesting situation for me. Yeah. And but I had to deal with the same black moments, right? So I had a lot of these weird issues. And then at 14, cause I spent eight years with his family, not yet adopted, which means I had no idea for eight years, whether or not that'd be the place I went to sleep that night. Because you get bounced, you literally just get picked up and bounced around. I mean, imagine feeling like a complete leaf in the wind. That was the feeling. Like the world has complete control over me. I have none. Uh, and there's nothing I could have st- stability in or have a sense of trust, you know, like sucked. Mm. 14 though, I got him in front of a judge, severed my mom's parental rights, my real mom, because she's, she's not the best human in the world, we'll say. And I got a chance to be adopted, man. So I got adopted by this family. It was the first time I knew for sure this place that I went to, you know, woke up at, I get to go to bed at, you know, it's just a really unique feeling. And at the same time, my adoptive mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. My older brother, I'm one of six, went to the military. He was like the rock. And I try out to do this thing that a lot of people try. And it's kind of fun. But for me, it meant a lot more. But I sucked at it, which was football. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to play so much, man. All my team, my you know, classmates played. They used to go to school on Friday with their jersey. And it was all like, yeah. And I would destroy these cats at, at a recess. <laughs> so I was like, I got to go play football now. And I went out there, and they destroyed me. Man, I was, I didn't know what I was doing. You put a helmet and shoulder pads on somebody, the game changes. And so the feeling that anybody ever in your life has felt like, I want to try this thing. And I go in, and I do it. And I realize, like, I am horrible at it. And you get to hit that, like, that sting of pain of, like, ooh, I don't like that. Like that was my memory from that. <laughs> and then we both, you know, well, not we both, we have two choices to make in those moments, I'll call it. Choice one is I make a really good excuse to be able to avoid this pain and try something else. And a lot of people do this consistently in life. They've done it 15, 20, 30 years of their life. Then you have the other person who says, you know what? 
I know it hurt, but I still want to try again. Now, it took me two years and two horrible football seasons to get to that moment. And it eventually happened. I was like, you know what? Damn this. I want to be great at this sport. It was this, I had made this excuse. I'm a foster kid. I'm not supposed to have much. And then I heard some girl say something that she's like, it really just kind of uh, rattled me inside. It unsettled my soul. Her statement was, well, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. And I was like, man, that's a really crappy excuse to be a crappy human. I had no control over that. Like, and we do that. We make excuses for things that we, we don't want to do. And then when you hear them out loud, I promise you, it sounds ridiculous. Hmm. Like, it's like, you just hear, you're like, that is not a, what? That's what I'm saying in my head. That, that sounds really bad when my ears hear it. Hmm. And so eventually I had this moment of, I'm going to wake up and we all have to have that moment. And I did, man. And I started thinking like, what are the things that a great football player does? That was the first question. What, if I was a great football player, what would I do? And that was the catalyst to a lot of it. And so I started figuring out what that thing was. And I started doing all those things. And here's the crazy part. At first, when you do them, you get that feeling of imposter. It's a very natural, normal thing. I was on a discussion with the Success Magazine in the live yesterday discussing literally the imposter syndrome a lot of people have. And I had that, man. I go lift weights and run routes, and everybody's like, Anthony, what are you doing? You suck. Why are you out there lifting weights? You suck. Why are you running routes, man? You suck. Mm-hmm. And there's this, this consistency in the background of like, man, that's not who I am. It's funny, studies will show you nowadays that you can have a great mindset towards something because at a certain point I had the mindset of I want to be great, but I didn't have the identity of it. And so what happens is if, if you look at studies, it'll show that if you don't have a self-categorization in a specific area, the mindset for that area won't work as well. Just won't. You can have all the, you, you can't just work on like resiliency and work at ethic and do those kind of things mm-hmm. and then not think you're that person and think you're going to succeed. It's a very interesting internal dynamic. So I have figured, I got to figure out how to become that guy. And this was a very accidental process at first that ended up becoming a very useful process over my life. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to do that stuff. I'm just going to do it. It's, it's a 10 of pain. It sucks. But you know, next time it'll be a nine. And it was. Next time was an eight. It was a seven. It was a six. By the time I got to the point of the next season, it went to zero. But here's the crazy thing about when you get to zero pain while doing something, zero resistance, zero kind of tension inside, it doesn't go to zero. It goes to joy. You love doing this thing. Like, it's a beautiful, like, man, I sucked at podcasting. Now I'm great. Like, I suck at football. Now I'm great. And you feel great. You want to go do more of it. Like, you used to be scared, but I want to do more of it. And what's useful for a lot of people to understand is this one simple concept. When I was in the off season, what I was doing was lifting weights, running rounds, doing all this stuff. And what ended up being the, the, the really, I guess, the most important part of it wasn't what I was doing for the skill set. I was creating a stronger, faster, more powerful athlete. But what you create, in fact, creates you, creates the sense of self. Mm. So I showed up, dude, all that work I'd done, I was the football player now, which means I'm catching this football. You are not stopping me. You are not catching the football. I am stopping you. You are not tackling me. You don't have the right to do that today. And you will not get away from me. I'm tackling you every time you're near me. It was mine. I earned it. You don't get to take this from me. I deserve this. And it was an identity thing that I deserve that, right? And the funny thing is in life, we will fight for what we believe we deserve, period. If that's your piece of cake, I'm, I'm punching the teeth. That's my cake, bro, <laughs> right? But the thing is, at the same capacity, a lot of us don't think we deserve much. So again, we'll fight for what we deserve, which sometimes is not a very rigorous fight. And so for me, that was the first catalyst of like, I'm going to be great. So I went from being a sucky football player to the next year, I'm a varsity on, you know, a sophomore on varsity. A couple of years later, I get a college scholarship to play football at the University of Oregon. Uh, I go to Oregon and navigate more parts of my identity. I end up starting my true sophomore year over a senior, 50-year senior. Like I, my second year, his fifth. Bowler! Let's go. Oh, got it, bro. Um, good dude. But like, I just, I had this desire, like I was going to be that guy. I had my son, my first son at 20 years old in college. I don't recommend that. I uh, met my real dad at 20 years old. Like it was some cool dynamics. And then at the end of that college experience, I got a chance to play in the NFL. Uh, NFL stands for not for long. So in my third year, uh, tore my shoulder to a first preseason game, went home, watched all my teammates with the Steelers win a Super Bowl. That kind of sucked. Bittersweet. Like I'm at home chilling, <laughs> watching it all go down. Uh, but no, it was this thing where I got entered into the new part of life. It was like post football and it's a massive identity crisis. Those who are leaving situations, like you're leaving college. It's a massive crisis that hits. I left college. I sent a kid off to college, leave the military, I leave sports. I lose a loved one. I lose a job. These are consistent things that happen to all people all day, all throughout life. However, so few people understand how to navigate these shifts because they're reactive, not used to reacting to them. So Mm -hmm. what we do 
is we feel like there's a part of us that that's that's broken. We feel like some some part of us lost something, and it wasn't the case. We just feel like man, like something off. And what we do is we spiral into a place of trying to fill the gap, trying to trying to figure who we are. Women will say, "I, I had to find myself," and it's true. Like it's a genuine. Like, you got to find who you are. Right. Some people do it the wrong way. They self sabotage. And when I came out of the NFL, I kind of did that, man. I was trying to find myself in this gym business that I opened because my degree is in kinesiology. I'm like, I'm gonna go open a gym and. In doing so, my wife and I, my high school sweetheart, had two more kids. We had twins. And so, like, she's, you know, devoid of me. I'm at the gym 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I'm trying to build this name for myself, reclaim my identity, and neglect everything else around me. Business started tanking. And nine months in, I was almost bankrupt. I had to figure out how to keep that thing afloat. Marriage fell apart. Um, I was out of shape. I, I didn't feel confident because I wasn't a football player anymore. And, like, it just was a whole just multitude of garbage all my life. And I didn't want to be here. Like, legit. I was like, you know what? I don't want to be here, man. And I was able to come out of that dark hole and find a way to have this seed planted in me, which one buddy was like, man, you know, the, the way you've lived your life, just by just sheerly living, it's been an inspiration to a lot of us that see you. And it was this interesting seed because at the time, like, I didn't give a crap about anybody else's life. I was just living my <laughs> life, trying to, trying to make things work. I got a family to feed. I got, I'm almost bankrupt. I'm broke. Like, and so for a couple of years, like after I got divorced, I bounced around, I got some good business contracts and I made some good money and I started doing the Playboy thing. And then 2014, my mom passed away. I was in the room holding her hand as she took her final breath, literally. Very interesting mortality moment of like, man, this is how short life is. She was 47, I was 30 at the time. It was this nuts feeling of like, man, like I could be here less time than I've already been here. Like it could be that way. And the sad part is a lot of people don't get a chance to reach their full potential. And you asked me earlier, what's this thing? Who is Anthony? I'm a person that's a guide and a catalyst to help people reach their full potential. Truly, it's like my weird, creepy gift. I see more in people they see themselves and I show them how to get that thing met. And, and what I realized was like, she didn't reach her full potential, but her unconditional love of somebody who wasn't her blood, me, allowed me to beat some crazy statistics. 75% of prison inmates are former foster kids. 50% of our homeless population are former foster kids. Less than 1% of foster kids graduate college like I did. I sold my business, my first business 10 years after it opened, which the odds of a business being around that long, let alone being sold, and the first one are slim. And then playing in the NFL was super slim. I've been an American Ninja Warrior now. I've done some crazy things. And all of this, I can tie back to a woman unconditionally loving me and showing me what it meant to reach my full potential. That's her. So in the work I do right now, it's not about Anthony wants to be special and, you know, look at me. It's like, man, how can I make sure that I'm giving back to the world in a way that honors my mom? that makes sure her name and her, her message gets shown in a certain light. And so when she passed, I got this, I started watering that seed of like, what if I go and make something, if I was helping people accidentally, what if I did it on a purpose? You know, what if I tried to share this? Cause you see people doing it and it's like, let me see if that's a space for me to enter into. Mm. And so I did, man, I started talking and but here's the thing. I really wasn't ready. Yet. I hadn't crossed the finish lines. I was trying to teach people. That's the truth. Like at the time I was not in the space to be teaching. I wanted to, but I hadn't really figured it out. So for another couple of years, I floated, man. And then it was January 1st, 2016. I woke up next to this strange Russian woman who didn't speak English um, <laughs> that I'd met when I was traveling to Russia for a presentation, a speech. And uh, I just had this wave of shame. Like I'd flown this woman who couldn't even speak. I couldn't say hi to her and have her understand me. It was just completely physical relationship. And I was just like, this this welling up of... I don't like this guy. I don't like who I am when I look in the mirror. That's how it started. I woke up, looked in the mirror. It's like, who the hell are you, man? Like, your kids should never see this man. You don't, this isn't who you are. Like, your mom, she would be crying knowing this is the life you're living. Your God wouldn't let you into heaven. And so I, I made this very active choice to figure out how in the world I got here and how to get out of here. And that's really where the start of my work began and the start of the work I do begins. And for the next nine months, man, I swore off women. I, I didn't go out and party. I didn't do anything. I just stayed in and I started asking some really hard questions about Ant and where he stood and, and what was going on and, and realizing I was a common denominator in my problems. If you got a lot of problems, you're the common denominator between them all. My business was still up and down. I couldn't hold a relationship in place, obviously. I, I wasn't a present dad. I spent more time with other people's kids training them at my gym than my own kids. I was kind of up and down. I wasn't really working out. It was just weird. And so what I did, I started adjusting stuff, man. I started figuring out how am I going to do this? Like, how do I figure out what it is? And the problem for a lot of people is start doing stuff. We just start doing things. And the problem is we don't know what we're supposed to really do. So you could do all the wrong things and get burnt out. You could be broke and have no progress. 
And people do it all the time. People consistently spend time and effort and energy into to products and programs and coaching, or they just spend time in doing things that look cool because a social media influencer told them to do it. And they still get to the back end of that time frame and say, man, why does my life still suck? Hmm. And this was the start of what I call the shift method I've created that was like looking at, okay, well, how do I get to do the right work? Well, first thing I had to do is see what's going on. So for me, I had to first see what was really going on in my life. I had to take some really deep ownership of things that really sucked to take ownership of. And in doing so, I kind of ache and it's like a computer as an operating system. We are all like a computer. We got this hardware, 2020 hardware, but a computer can't run off Windows 95. Like it's outdated. Mm. However, a lot of us are win- running off of Windows 1990, 95, 2000, 2002, right? From when you were a kid. Because what happens is we get older, like the world has programmed us without us even knowing it unintentionally. Our mom and dad showed us what love is, what we believe you should do to treat a man or woman right, you know, what money is, how you should use it, what you should buy with it, how self-love is, self-esteem, what you should show, what you shouldn't show. Be vulnerable. Don't be. So you're taught these things and you run your life like that. And then you wonder why all of a sudden life craps. It's like the spinning wheel of death in your computer. All the programs fall apart. The programs being the relationships and the income and the career and your joy. Those are the programs. They're only possible based on the operating system though. Hmm. And so for me, like I had to do what a computer does. I had to download the update, download it all, man. Hey, what's going on? Oh, this sucks. And there's ways you can dig. There's very specific exercises you should do to really get to the root of it. I promise you can't do it alone. Let's just leave it at that. You cannot do it alone. It takes some people in an interesting way. Uh, and then what you do is say, okay, great, I got this. Now I got to do the hard work. Let me upload this into the end of my life in actions. Let me do some stuff. That's the hard part. They're all hard parts, honestly, but the hard part is doing the actions because a lot of people do a lot of informational gathering, but taking and executing and stuff is very, very like limited in our society. It's not a consistent thing I see people doing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But what you do is this is where you get to that point of create creates you. The creation process, it's ugly and dirty and arduous, and it's a 10 of pain, a nine of pain, eight of pain. Most people leave it at 10. Very mm-hmm. few make it past six or seven, right? Yeah. But those who do, they create this person where they stand up and they're boldly confident and joyous in the person they are. And I had to do that. And so fast forward 10 months of having conversations with some people that, man, broke my heart, but adjusting things, I got my marriage back together. We've been back together four years now in an amazingly strong marriage. I got my kids and they have their father present. I've changed careers to an extent. I do something similar, but I do it a different way. So I'm present with my kids. I have a successful business. I get to speak and talk to you and make really good income while making really great impact. Uh, I'm in good shape. I get to take, my, my life is awesome. I've crossed finish lines is what I call it. And so hmm. when you cross finish lines, I think that's when you go back and tell people how to run the race not why you're running the race. <laughs> so mm. across the finish line, I went back and realized the core of it, it's your identity. Really, because here's the thing is people are probably saying, oh, identity, I've heard it before. And it's not just like mindset. And here's the truth of it. Mindset's a phenomenal tool and it's something you can use. But if you don't have this identity, it doesn't work. And here's where that all ties together. The big key thing for me was, was me focusing on how I operated. Because if you think about success, if I say identity equals success, think of that equal sign as a couple stages. Identity is what you talked about. It's who you are. You're not thinking about who you are. It's your fortitude. It's your mental and emotional strength in, in hard moments. Uh, it's your execution. How do you execute? Without thinking about it, how do you execute? Are you consistent? Um, what's your natural disposition? Happy, unhappy? Uh, are you dedicated to certain aspects? You know, do, you, do you get things done? Are you disciplined in certain aspects? Uh, are you, it's just so many things. What's your resiliency in moments? Hmm. These are things that happen without your conscious mind on. It did just, you just do things, right? right. And that, that flow becomes your operation. That, that's, that's your mm. functioning system. Without even thinking about it, it's your functioning system. It's running your life, but few people are running it. And that operating allows us to determine what your performance will be. How you operate determines your performance. Think about Tom Brady and, and quarterback and the, the Patriots, like the word used a lot, that dude just operates in the field. Operates, right? He operates the offense, which turns into a solid performance, which turns into him being a goat. You know what I'm saying? Like right. <laughs> an actual goat, but like the greatest of all time, right? So right. that came because he just knew how to operate his life in ways that were just second nature to him. He seems mm. like an alien to most people. He, didn't, he wasn't born that way. He shifted into that guy. His right. identity became that nuance. And so what I do now is I get people to understand, like right now, a lot of us are operating far below the level of their dream right now. Like, if you don't operate at the level what your dream demands, you'll never achieve the dream. I got to operate a different tick. 
Mm. I can have all the books I want. You can buy the courses and you can get the strategies. And what we do is we will try to put the band-aids of strategies and ideas over us and hope it keeps us strong. But it doesn't, man. It just, it's like, it's a band-aid to cover up another area that you just have to get exposed to later on. It's, it just doesn't work. Mm. When you become the person who operates like triple the level you're doing right now, that's when things move because now I perform at a different level. I had greater success and people look at you and go, man, how do you do that? It looks so easy. It's like, I don't know, it's, just, it's just who I am, man. I'm just, I'm just Tim Bishop. I get things done like that, right? There's a different right. level. Right. And so that's what I figured out in my life. And that's why I went back and said, okay, here's my, my weird area of expertise. And so I crafted and structured a very specific process based in my life experiences, but more so based in neuroscience and psychology. And I still am consistently studying and learning because new stuff comes out all the time. And I right. could be wrong about something, but here's what I do know. Clients that I work with, that I apply this to, I'm talking executives, entrepreneurs, moms and dads, people that want to start, you know, barbershops, simple, whatever it, it may be that you where you have an ambitious desire that you want to attain, this is where you should start. The hmm. strategies and stuff is all great, but if you aren't the right person with that strategy or with that tool, you'll consistently fall short. I can give you all the tools you need, but if you don't know how to use them, or you're not the right person. If you're a newborn baby with a jackhammer, you're not going to be able to chisel out <laughs> the concrete. You know what I'm saying? So right. that's where I spend time teaching people. That's, that's my story. I know we mm. went kind of weird in an awkward direction, but I hope I got everything into the brain. I loved, I loved listening to all of that. So many things were firing off. Obviously, as you hear someone else's story, you instantly kind of replay it based off your own life and start to just yeah. think about your own life. And it's funny, man, because you say it's not, you know, mindset's a huge part, but it's your shift in identity. And I've always been someone who said it is mindset. It, it, like that's the layer. And the more I think about it in my own journey, I'm like, man, identity, like you're convincing me because I'm like, identity was a huge piece of this for me, which was there was a moment in time where I realized that I didn't want to go the route I was going down. And in order to get to where I wanted to go, which I didn't exactly know what that looked like, I feel like I sort of, without really realizing it, now that I'm hearing you say it, like created some non-negotiables for myself, which was like, I want to be happy. I want to figure out what my dream life looks like. And I want to be that person. And I didn't know what that looked like, but that was my like, you know, I want to go here. And so yeah. I'm, I'm interested in, you know, I was dumbing this down a bit because what I, what I sort of realized too, by interviewing a bunch of people and looking at my own journey was, you know, you said a lot of people spend their whole life sort of avoiding that pain of going on that mm -hmm. journey, right? They go, I have like early on in your football career, you said you have two choices. I can run from this pain or I can embrace it and dive into it. And I feel like, yeah you know, that is the big changing point for everyone. It's the point where they acknowledge that the pain is, is kind of the part that's going to drive them into action. And for a lot of people, it's because they hit a low, it's because they yeah. hit a low point and it drives them into change. But for yeah. a lot of other people, they're sitting there and it's almost like they're not tapping into that pain or, or, you know, again, like myself and a lot of people, the first dream is to be an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. I want to go to the NBA. Well, I spent 20 years playing basketball and here I realize, as you know, an 18 year old that maybe a five, nine white guy wasn't meant to go to the NBA. <laughs> and, you know, and then all of a sudden my dream is sort of is sort of done. But I think like that's a, a point where then most people I always kind of say we never really learned how to dream because at that point people go, all right, well, I can't be a basketball player, a football player. I what guess else? I'll just go do business. And then, yeah. you know, but the dream is never reignited. And the work ethic and the pain you put into trying to be an athlete isn't transferred back over to whatever the next thing is. And so yeah. I guess my question is now that I'm just kind of spewing this stuff out is like, it's kind of like, okay, what, you know, what does that person have to do who's sitting here, who's a college graduate? And I know high school kids, college kids, college graduates right now are all kind of like, yo man, what the fuck's happening in the world? Like, yeah, what do crazy. I do? <laughs> how do <laughs> Everything's I, how, burning. how do I start this shift? Like, I feel yeah. uncomfortable. I feel uncertain, but like, what do I got to do right now to make mm -hmm. this shift? Yeah, yeah, I got you. So, so you alluded to it earlier. Like there's the aspect of the athlete. Like I was the athlete. I was a former NFL linebacker. I was, a, I was an NFL linebacker, right? I, now I'm a former. The mindset that I have, it was, it was unique because like I was tuned to speed up in moments most people would slow down. 
there's a guy running at you. Most people would slow down. And I was tuned to like, oh, I go faster now, right? The mindset I had to attack certain situations, to get up when things hurt, to keep moving when you're tired, like to, to never, like you never just do it to stop. Mm. That mindset has not left me. It ha- it's still there. The problem is whenever you get done with sports, you don't know where or how to anchor that again, because I saw myself as the athlete. That's all I was. Therefore, I'm not the businessman. I'm not the father. I'm not the husband. Who am I? Where do I attach this? This like, where do I put this turbo on what engine? You know, it's like, I don't know where to put it. So it's just there spinning. And it's like, man, it sucks. So we have this disconnect. And what it ends up being, it's, it's a, Anytime we accomplish or do something and spend enough time into it, it becomes this thing we want to return. And the return is that's who I am. So you went to school. You, I'm a student. I'm a college graduate, right? It's who I am. And then that stops. And I, I think of it like a, a tree with a piece of fruit. The mm. fruit falls off the tree. And then I have this feeling of like, man, the fruits, it's on the ground and it's withering and it's dying. And I feel like I'm withering and dying. And <laughs> oh, I do, right? And that's, that's literally a feeling that like I can attach myself to in football. And then for a lot of years, I started like thinking through, why do I feel like this? Why can't I get out of this? And here's what I realized. I was never the fruit. We are never the fruit. We are the tree. Mm. Always been the tree. And if you think about that, a sense of who you are created that fruit in your life. The mindset is in the trunk of the tree, you know, like the, the wherewithal, the stick the dedication. It's the tree. But what happens when we're only focused on fruit, you stop watering the tree. Stop pruning the branches. So all the fruit dies. That's why like I lose my relationship and then lose my job and I get fat and out of shape. Like right. everything, every fruit dies because we're only focused on the dead fruit. It's like, no, no, man, go water the tree and you can put more fruit on the branches. Like that's, right. that's how it should be. And, and so for you, when you're saying, how do I start? That's where you start. There's a lot of tactical stuff. The first right. thing is a realization of you are not what you've done. And it's not to say that in a sense of most people say it to like, you know, you are not what you've done. Just get off of that. It's more of saying like, hey, in a good way, you are not what you've done. And that gives you a sense of control again to say, oh, who I am is the person that was able to accomplish what I did. So what if I go back and give it better care, better information, better, you know, tending to the tree, like better fruit, man. Like I I love my life more now than I did in the NFL. It was cool being on TV and everything, but still nobody knew who I was. I wore a helmet all day long, but I got more freedom. I I get to work out still in better shape, like not better shape. That's a different kind of shape. But I was like, (laughs) I'm closer to my family. Like I make great income. Like I'm cool. And a lot of it ties to, I finally figured out how to apply that mindset I had back then Mm. to the right identity, which was, you know what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to become the identity of an entrepreneur. It's not a fake thing. I don't go in and say, I'm this guy. It starts feeling like an imposter starts that way because you haven't proven it to yourself yet therefore why would you believe it's who you are but the moment you say look um i am not that thing and i never will you're done the moment you say i'm not that thing let me do the work it it takes to create that person that belief inside Hmm. now you already got the mindset waiting on that engine to be built the Hmm. moment that thing comes into play boom they take off and they speed off in your dream so that's the thing is once you can get people to operate and the operation's a cool thing Cause it's not, we're like, I'm shooting, Hey, January 21st at 7 PM, I'm going to go out, I'm going to be that guy. Now it's not like that. Mm-hmm. The operating piece, it's like understanding specifically how to tactically, actionably, tangibly in your life, learn how to operate program. What I call habits, actions, reactions, and drivers program that operate from it, mm-hmm. plan it out, think through it, track it weekly, track it. We do that very specifically. Then what happens is you start seeing things move and you start getting into a new flow of operation. You operate at a higher level with way less stress. And then your operation turns into better performance, better performance turns into better success with ease. And then now it's like, oh, this is who I am now. I am that guy or that girl. And the mindset from whatever before comes in or it's built and strengthened along the way as well. And now people can get much more done. Yeah, dude, this is so good. I'm, I'm stoked over here. I'm sitting here getting, getting the goosebumps because like this is so true for my story and for so many people's stories. Like I, this last year I had made kind of a, uh, my own self-made commencement speech for the 2020 graduates. And I talked about this thing of, of identity and how my whole life, I loved identifying as a student because it was very freeing. I could talk mm-hmm. about my dreams in a very loose, free way. I could just be, you know, going to school, having fun with my friends. 
And when I was graduating, right, I could, I could literally feel that identity going away. And I was like, what's Mm going to be next? And all of my friends, right? So many people are like, oh my gosh, like we're 23. We're so old. Like our student career. (laughs) And I'm just like, you're, you, like you said, you have that moment where you hear what, what you're saying in your head and somebody else says it to you. And you're like, this is ridiculous. Like we are so young. This is like not the peak. Like I promise, like we've got a lot of life to go. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I, I tried to transition that fruit. I did try to train and say, okay, I'm not a student, but I'm now I'm an entrepreneur. And yeah. I tried to mm-hmm. make that my fruit, but the imposter syndrome came in right away where it was like, bro, Immediately. you're not an entrepreneur. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you mean yeah. by that? Like, you're not an entrepreneur. And over the course of time, like you just said, like, it is the internal, it is like, wait a second, I spent 20 years learning and now I'm a pretty good student because of yeah. my, my ability to learn. I spent 18 years playing basketball. I didn't go to the NBA, but man, I learned about leadership. I learned about hard mm-hmm. work. I learned about yeah. fighting through pain. I learned about how to navigate life when it doesn't always go your way. Mm-hmm. So then I start to say, oh, okay. This isn't about like failure and like failure is kind of this abstract con- like concept. Like, well, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work out? What if the fruit dies? You mm-hmm. still got the tree. I love that, dude. All I day, love baby. That. You still got the tree. Yeah. And so is that, is that the, the switch there is looking internal and saying, okay, internally, do you take stock on what you've done? And, and you know, I'm just trying to figure out there, okay, if I'm not- yeah, you can reframe the failure outside, for sure. Do you just look inside and say, all right, from here on out, if I'm trying to take, make my shift, let me look at, let me look inside and say, how do I want to identify myself based off of these internal values and stuff? Is that kind of the first- mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you, you actually, there's a lot of steps. Uh, well, there's not a lot. There's three, but they have a lot of depth to them. It's, it's C, first see the work you got to do. Then you got to shift. And that's where we're talking about. You're actually looking at what will you do. And the way I explain it is you have to architect the ideal identity for your dream. There is a ideal, perfect identity, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Whatever dream you want to have. There's one for a podcast. There's one for, you know, I don't know, the landscaper. One for a race car driver. It'll be one mm-hmm. for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's different. And that's okay to be different. That's why you can't compare yourself to the people that you see on social, your friends, like vastly different drives and desires. And you have to go home and create your own. However, you're always going to have that aspect of failure. And, and I, I'm glad you leaned on that because that becomes one of the biggest fear points or stopping points for people. They right. go in, they experience that 10 and that initial 10 hurts and it's deemed failure. Right. And what we do is we, now we, we walk away and don't do it again and all you have for proof for yourself is I'm a failure. I did this and I suck. And I, why, why should I believe I can do that again or try this area? And so what I tell people is first, like failure, in fact, has a scale and a measurable way to look at things, which I'm going to walk you through real quick because this is going to be useful for everybody. This is what I call reframing failure. It's a, it's a definitive process I've used and it's logically it'll make a ton of sense. There's six levels to this. So think of it as like a, a learning line in the middle of it too. Hmm. The top three the very, very top is called uh, abject. Abject failure. It's the end of the world. The pumpkin broke. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like, you know, somebody passed away. It's, it's, there's no coming back from this failure. When those typically happen, we're like, man, I don't know. We, we sometimes learn, but we don't really actively learn from it. We just tend to like, whatever, and I'll walk away. Then you have structural failure. Structural failure is like something really important broke. It can be fixed, but it's just too much work. I don't want to fix this relationship. It's just, we're too deep. It's better. It's easier to start another one than deal with fixing this one or in this business. I could work on it, but it's just, I don't feel like dealing with that thing. And I walk away. I don't even, I might've learned something, but I'm not actively learning. Right. And then you have the one that's pretty much glorious failure. Light this bad boy up, let it burn. Like this is the end. I don't know. It's done. Like seriously, smoke a stove, watch it go down. (laughs) And these, these top three, most people kind of like they experience them. And, and these are things that I don't, actively choose to learn from. I just hate the experience. So I want to avoid it. I almost mm. walk away because I don't want to go back to that emotional space. Mm. Then you got the bottom three. The bottom three, interesting. The bottom three is what's called a common failure. It's the top one. And this is the learn. The learning line is right underneath the glorious and right above the aspect of the uh, common failure. Gotcha. Why this sorry was created. My bad. I won't do that again. You know, now, okay, register. Okay, don't slap him in the face. Okay, cool. That's, you know, I learned this lesson, right? Whatever it <laughs> Right. Then you have what's called, and these are the most important too, you have what's called version failure. Version failure is the, one of the most powerful ones because it's, it's accepting that this version that you created was the best you could at the time. However, you learn something to make the next one better. That's why iPhone 11 exists, about to be iPhone 12, right? Because mm-hmm. iPhone 1 came out and they took the information. They didn't go, well, no one likes this and the screen's slow. I'm done making phones. They say, hey, this is the best we can do. 
Let's make it better. And they just got the feedback, took the lumps and kept on moving. For me, this happens in my relationship. My version of Anthony that was running a relationship back then was crappy. He was not a solid husband, right? My business owner version of Anthony was not a solid identity. It wasn't. And so we understand that those are the things you can have as experiences that you're purposely trying to learn from. It makes it way easier to jump in full speed and fail because you're trying to do the best you can, realizing I'm going to have a chance to do it better when I learn. Huge. The bottom one is predicted failure. And predicted failure is the one, like if you're an athlete, you know every practice you're going out there to get yelled at. You just know it. It's, it's, it's predicted, right. Right? right? I'm trying to, get, I'm almost trying to do my thing. Like I expect it. After a while, I get to listen to, you know, this thing happened. In business, I realize everything at this point is a predicted failure. It's mm. going to happen. Like I'm going to put something out. I know it's not going to be great, but I do with joy because I'm looking for the holes in the bucket. I want to know where the holes are so I can then patch them. And so right. when people enter in the space of failure, here's the major problem. They keep taking things that should be a version or, or like a, you know, I don't know, a, a predicted failure and they make it abject. She left me and I, I'm not lovable. I'll never be in a relationship again. Or I got fired. I'm never going to have a job again. No, you know, like, no, Susan, chill out, bro. Like, it's okay. <laughs> and learn. And then we figure this thing out. And it's like, okay, I got, okay, mm. I figured this out. Let me try again. This is how you go through the create, creates you process. Now over time, the failures happen. They become lessons. I try it. The pain gets less and less and less. And now it's joy. And yes, you have failures along the way. It's part of the process, but you're still doing it in joy because it doesn't hurt so bad. And you get right. why. Right. I love the, the last thing you said there, which is like the sports example is so powerful of this, where it's like when you're going into a practice, like you know like you're going to miss shots. You're going to get yelled at. Like something's going to happen. And taking mm-hmm. that mindset over with you to other parts of your life, it allows you to say, okay, like stuff's going to happen. If I'm starting a mm-hmm. business and I'm, you know, I'm not Anthony Trucks yet. I'm not Gary V. I'm not these huge guys. Like I'm not going to be getting a million followers and 5 million likes and selling a million products. Like that just isn't going to happen. I'm going to make stuff. It's going to fail, but that's a part of my growth journey. And I, mm-hmm. the analogy I like to use for the student of life is like, okay, if you look at your growth from the time you were in kindergarten to the time you were a senior in college. And if you flip flop that and say, okay, when I graduate and I start my dream as an entrepreneur or whatever your certain dream is, I'm in kindergarten again. And put the Mm -hmm. expectations on yourself as a kindergartner would, which would be like, hey man, we're learning, we're failing, we're growing. And if you commit to saying, I'm basically going back to school for 20 years, this time it's on my dream. Mm-hmm. The amount of progress you're going to make and the amount of just kind of weight you're going to put off your shoulders to have life figured out when you're 22 years old, like, I feel like it's super powerful. So I've been trying to flip yeah. the narrative and my whole thing has been like, hey, man, I'm in kindergarten again. Like, let's go. I'm just, go. I'm just out I'm here. There too. I'm, I'm there too, bro. It's all, it's all day. You know, the, the thing is everybody's seeking the destination. I think it's a natural thing when you're a kid because you, you mm-hmm. take the first entrance into like, oh, and I say a kid, I mean like a kid kid, not like a college like I'm a kid and I want to go into this thing. I'm like, oh, I get to have a car. Okay, cool. I get to go to live away from home from my parents. And, like you feel, and then I get to, when I leave college, I could have a, a nicer car and a nicer house. And now you're entered into this world and people are so far ahead sometimes. You know, this is, it's vast. And so what people are doing is they're trying to achieve the destination as fast as possible. Like it's a race against their buddies. And then what you do is you end up forgetting and I'm not even forgetting, not taking account and noticing that the destination was never the destination. The destination has always been the journey. Every successful person I know, they've had some great accomplishments. Don't get me wrong. But the, the thing is, is, you'll find like they love the monotony of the day. They love getting up early and having their meal. And like they love settling into a good workout or, you know, or hanging out with their wife or their, their husband or playing with the kids. There's that flow. And that, that's, in fact, a destination to wake up every day in a life you love and do things that are easy operate at a certain level it feels easy but it's hard to other people that then spits out money and spits out you know impact and spits out this cool stuff because you're operating mm-hmm. it's kind of like this this uh and then when you get to a destination it's cool but it's, it's like there's almost more joy in climbing the mountain than being at the peak of the mountain yeah and what people fail to do is enjoy it so it's like imagine simple metaphor i'm traveling to you know i don't know we're gonna go to spain right and i leave my house and uh, when I leave my house, uh, I, I miss the train on the way there to get to the airport. And they get to the airport, flight's delayed, and they get in the flight, and they change my seat as a baby crying. And, you know, I, I had, get air sick, and I got to throw up in the bag, and then I land. And then, the, you know, I try to get in a taxi, takes me to the wrong hotel. Then I get to my hotel eventually, and the room's not ready. And then I get in the room, and there's 
I don't know, it smells, the garbage hasn't been taken out, they gotta, gotta <laughs> step out again. Like all these things, the, the whole trip sucked. And then eventually they say, you know what, someone put you in the, the, the suite. They put you in the upstairs penthouse suite. If you had a horrible trip like that, I don't care how great that suite is, you're gonna walk in and still be in a funky mood. You'd be like, yeah, suite's cool, but my, the trip here sucked, which we'll say. So think about it. It could be an amazing destination, but if the trip sucks, you won't enjoy it. But if I, at the end of the day, have, I get out of the house and I perspectively see it this way, you know, my, my train was late, but I got to meet this great woman on the train there. And then I get to the airport, flies delayed, but there's this cool little spot. I get to try out some new, uh, new omelet I never tasted before. So I got to hang out the omelet. And then there's a baby nearby. And I started thinking like, man, if someday I want to have a kid and I get air sick and I throw up, that just sucks. I'm not going to make anything good about that. And then we, <laughs> Then we land and I go to this different hotel. Well, now I got to see a different hotel. I can wander around and I get there. My room's not ready. So I got to go walk around. I met, you know, some people that I didn't even know were also Americans. We're going to go have dinner tonight. Then I get to go to my suite and the suite's amazing. I can invite them over for dinner. Like, hell yeah. Right. It's, a, it's great. Mm. But it's all a matter of how you perceive and enjoy the journey. Because mm. if you see everything as negative, I don't care how great the end is. The experience leading up will, will feel like it'll just pretty much muddy up that exact positive experience. So man, look more for enjoying the destination than just enjoying the journey. Dude, you're, this is so powerful for me to be able to sit here and listen to you say these things because yeah, it's like what I'm hearing basically is like, make that dream destination, like your dream day. Like how do you, and we talk about that operation standard, right? Like Tom Brady operates mm -hmm. at a certain level. How do you create, you know, your dream? Cause everyone thinks about a dream life in this very big scale, dream mm -hmm. life, all these but like, what yeah. is your, what is your dream day look like? We're just, you're an ordinary day where you're getting up and you're doing your thing and you're happy and you're chasing big goals and just loving that process. And that's, what's going to take you to then. Oh yeah, sweet. Like we did this, we reached this point, but I'm not done. I'm just going to keep going back to my operating, which is my dream day and just keep growing yeah. in that. And dude, that's so powerful for me and for a lot of people. And, and again, like, I, I feel like a lot of, people my age are too young to comprehend this, but you look at people who have talked about it. It's like, you know, you're stressed, you're unhappy, you make a bunch of money. It doesn't solve the fact that you're stressed and unhappy and, and don't have good relationships. Right. And so I, I can see this. And when I hear you saying, it, it's like, yeah, like let's just focus on loving this journey and loving these days. And then the rest, you know, the, the, when we get the big wins, it's just like a cherry on top of the cake rather All than day. the whole cake. Mm -hmm. exactly I love it. What man. it boils down to, man. And, that, and the thing is, is people who operate in that energy, we'll call it internal, like positive, optimistic energy, the world will give you what you give out. It's a definitive mirror. If you're always operating negatively, it's odd. Like you just, if you talk to somebody rude, they're going to be rude back to you. Like, it's just weird. The world just kind of gives you what you give out. So if my perspective is different, if I operate in a different place, my disposition is better in my natural operation the world seems to be a little bit nicer. I get a little more opportunity and it's, it's always those unseen opportunities. Dude, I get bookings and speeches and weird stuff from conversations people have about me when I am not even aware they're happening. I think your life you know, lives and dies in a dark, especially your business, because I just happen to be happy with people. And there's people that I won't even know who they are and I'll meet them somewhere and I'll talk to them. And I'll just, I'm joyful. And I'll find out a year and a half later, they're the CEO of some company or whatever it may be. And then somebody asked about this thing and they're like, yeah, I met this guy. He's super cool. Go check him out. And then I got a new $25,000 keynote, you know, and it's like, right. it was, I could, I could have connected those dots if I tried to, right. But because of my natural operation, how I flow, how I talk, just who, who I am. And I'm mm -hmm. not thinking about who I am that I personally programmed and did the right way. That's what turns into a better life. It's, it's, it's weird, but that's what people need to start focusing more on and the strategy and this tool and this and, and hard, rigorous application. Like part of it is the application, but you ain't got to like burn yourself out while doing it, man. Hmm. Find a way to be in joy. It's the energy. I love that, man. I love yeah. that. Cool. So we talked about, you know, the identity shift. We talked about the early stage failure. We talked about this energy aspect now. Now I want to, you know, jump into this a bit too, because I think at a young age, it is easy, like you said, to think about those destinations of, okay, I want this job so I can finally start making some money. Or mm -hmm. I want to do this so I can get a car, so I can live in the city. And so I can, and you're leading with a lot of those things that you can get for yourself. And yeah. I saw a quote you had on your website, actually, which really, really resonated with me, which was called shifting purpose, which was the, ha the happiness, the happiest people are not those getting more, but those giving more. And so what does it look like for a young person in high school or college or recent graduate to, 
to adopt that mindset of leading with giving over getting when you have so little, right? You want to yeah. make money, you want to do things. What does it look like to lead with a giving mindset and be driven by that in a time when you're kind of focused on for the first time in your life, getting things yeah. and yeah. You know, accumulating things. Totally get it, man. You know, in relationships, all of them, I, I tell people you need to give to get, if you want, you know, your wife to make you breakfast in the morning, what does she want? Does she want you to put the toilet seat down? You know, your girlfriend, does she want you to, you know, call her every Friday, have a dinner movie, dinner night, whatever with a movie, like give her that. And then she'll, she'll know what you want and she'll give you that thing. Right. So uh, the big thing is, unfortunately, everybody thinks when I say give, it means to give, you know, my money only like I got to give money and I'll get money in return. Like it's not a money thing or I got to give freely of my time at all times. It's not that either. Sometimes it's giving the thing the person wants, even though your pride doesn't want to do it. Right. Or sometimes it's giving somebody a smile or sometimes it's giving, you know, someone a, a, a good, you know, good job. Like I like what you did there. Uh, giving the thing that feels awkward. Cause typically like if I'm in public, like I was, the other day I, I saw somebody doing something. I don't know what it was. I was like, man, that's really cool. You did like just giving that little, little extra. Who, who, it was like, they did something at the restaurant. I was like, that's super cool. You did that for your wife, man. And I, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was like just two, three, three days ago, Sunday too. And I can't, I can't remember <laughs> what it was. It did. But, um, but no, you give these things. What happens is in a weird like roundabout way, like the, the world is awkwardly connected in a way that you usually get something back. And it could have been, I mean, if it's, you know, something you do consistently, it'll come to fruition in a unique way. Somebody will see something or a weird connection will take place, but like it'll happen years later or happen the next day. But when I say give, it's like give back to the world, genuinely the things that you would want someone to do for you, even if it's not normal for you to do it, or it feels awkward to do it. Mm. If you would like somebody to hold the door for you, hold the door for them. If you would like somebody to give you a compliment, give a compliment to somebody random. Those kind of things oddly they always circle back. It's like a weird, you know, you can call it the secret and like the energy you go out. Like I'm not super mm -hmm. in that, you know, we'll call it woo woo realm, but I believe that there's a lot of definitive like things that operate in that realm, just based off how I've watched the world work around me. Right. And there are things that I, I get ripples years later. When I was 16 mm -hmm. years old, I was driving down the street uh, next to my house and I might've been, I was probably speeding. The guy gets out and says, stop speeding. And I, I stopped the car in reverse. And what are you talking about? I was, I was going 30 miles an hour in a 25. Totally gay goes, you're doing, where are you going fastest? I was going 30 miles an hour. It's 25. I said, oh, you've never driven past 25 miles an hour on a street? Are you serious right now? Like, we're talking. <laughs> I was like, forget you. And I drove off. Now he was, he has kids out there, right? And I get it, he has kids. And, and what happened was apparently, and this is odd that I don't fully remember this, but apparently internally I had this weird guilt as a 16 year old. And I went back to this guy's house. My friends weren't in the car, knocked on the doors. Like, hey, I want to apologize. You're right. I shouldn't have sped. Um, won't happen again. And that was that. That was like you know, like six to 20 years ago. You know what I'm talking right, about? Right. About five, maybe six years ago, a, a buddy of mine was at some party having a conversation with somebody and someone started talking about me in, in some weird derogatory way. I wasn't super bad. I just think they said something crazy. Like, I don't know if he's really who he says he is on TV. Like, cause I do these different things, right? Everybody has their opinion. You're going to have people who don't like you. Right. The guy who used to be my neighbor happened to be there. No way. And he, he told this interesting story that then got relayed to this guy. And then it got relayed back to me. I was like, holy crap. Like, and so the guy's like, that's a good dude. Like, he's a, I don't know where you saw or what went on. He's a really good guy. Hmm. Now, I don't know what that turned into or how it played out, but that literally becomes like the story of my life. There's another one, like three or four years ago. So I own properties, but I rent where I own. I don't like to fix things if I don't have to. You know, I, I just don't want to deal with property taxes. I want to make sure I'm making profit on them. It's more of an investment for me. Yeah. So, so I used to own a gym and I used to train a bunch of athletes all day long. This is what it is that you give and it comes back to you, man. It's just give. So I had this, this basketball team I used to train. I would go and, and train them, but there's times I go out there and train for free some of the groups. I just help, I'd stay extra. I wanted to help out. I just wanted to give, give my time I could. And so what ends up happening is there's a basketball, this was years ago, basketball team, a couple cities over, like three cities over. And uh, I trained them years ago, closed the gym, didn't do it anymore. Uh, a year ago, I wanted to rent this house I live in. It's a very nice house. I want to rent it, right? And so there was between me and another family. Well, the, the landlord, we met him, he showed us the house, everything was good. We put our offer in, we want to you know, rent it for it. And he calls me three days later, says, hey, I just want to let you know you got the house. I was like, cool. I said, well, what was the, the, the determining factor? He says, well, I got into an Uber and I had a conversation with the guy. And next thing I know, someone were talking about sports and your name from football comes up. And then he, he remembers you. 
it was the basketball coach apparently that you used to go and do this extra work for and help them. And he said, you were a really good guy. And I realized that, you know, I'd rather have a really good guy who, you know, connected and I liked, I'd rather even rent my house than somebody I don't know anything about. Hmm. So it was like weird, like, so I got yeah. the house that, that, I, that I wanted, you know, to rent uh, because I just was a good guy years ago. I just, so you never know, man. Like it's, these are weird things that happen to me fairly consistently but it's because I've just always tried to be in that disposition of I want to do good things. I want to operate a higher tick, even when it feels uncomfortable. Hmm. That's where oh, you give I and then you it. get. I love it, man. I love it. I want to, I know we got a few minutes here left, but you mentioned something that I do want to talk about, which was this part of embracing your full identity and being yourself. It can mm-hmm. be scary for a lot of people because that level of vulnerability, you're showing your, your true colors to the world, right? All day. And there is that element of the fear of judgment and the fear of being hated on. Yeah. Um, can you touch on that just, just as we close yeah. this up? Cause I think well, that's a big I final was, piece of it. It's yeah, it's a big one. It's always a matter of who you choose to take your, you know, your feedback from. I would never take feedback, from, you know, or anything that would adjust my life that I wouldn't take advice from somebody. If I wouldn't take advice, you're not taking whatever feedback you tell me typically, but here's the big thing. We unfortunately live in a world with a really awkward life scale of what success is. There's billionaires that want more money. You know, like there's, there's people who are honestly just perpetually unhappy and it sucks because now what we do, unfortunately, is we see what they have. And, and I saw some of the day and I did a video. It says we are a sad generation that posts happy pictures. Mm. Internally, we got a lot going on because no one's setting their own scale. No one went home and said, here's what I think is great for me. And then have a conversation and maybe stretch it a little bit and say, here's what I'm trying to achieve. And if I can achieve this, damn it, that's awesome. And then what happens is you go out into the world. If you haven't set the scale, the world, you go accomplish something and the world says, yeah, but you didn't do this. Cause there's always something more you could do. And so we consistently in this place of feeling like, man, I don't want to put myself out there. I keep getting shunned and I feel crappy and it sucks and people judge me and it sucks. Okay, great. They're going to judge you but how are you going to judge you? That's the big thing. Mm. If I go back and have this scale and the world comes in and says, yeah, you did that, but you didn't do this. You can go, okay, hold on a second. Look at my scale. Yeah. My scale doesn't have that on there. You know what? I took some time to make this one. I'm cool. Go live your life. <laughs> and I yeah. stay in this bubble of joy. Now it doesn't mean you can't adjust your scale, but don't, don't predicate your happiness based on something that the world's going to tell you should or shouldn't happen. Cause the world is unhappy. It is seriously, People say, well, you do things that are abnormal, Anthony. That, that's not normal of you to do. It's, it's like my best friend has said this. Like, that's just not normal. I said, well, you know, it's funny. 53% of people are unhappy in their career and their life, statistically. Uh, that's normal. I like to be abnormal. I would rather be the abnormal. <laughs> that's the 47% of people who are enjoying what I got going on. So, yeah, dude, I'm going to sit here in my own bubble and do my own thing. And I'm not worried about what you do. I love you. But I'm going to keep my, so that, that's what allows me to express myself fully because I comprehend fully that here's other part of it. People who are incredibly happy, who are in super places of joy, they never say rude things to take you down. Mm. I've never, I've never met a person who's in a great internal space. Who's like, I hate you. You suck. I don't like your thing. What I have realized is people when met with the realization of what you're doing, see themselves in a mirror. And one of two things has to happen. I have to admit that you're doing something better, doing something great. And then I have to feel the pain of I'm not and do something. And nobody mm-hmm. likes to do that. Or I have to demonize you to bring you down so I can stand tall. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whatever these are, the sad person typically is the demonizer who wants to stand tall and do nothing. So those are the people poking at you. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's truly more about them. So you get those judgments from people like, hey, Go ahead. You keep doing that. You know what? At the end of the day, like I'm doing my thing. And, and the, the people who are like some of the best relationships I have are people are like, dude, I love what you're doing, man. Yeah. How, how can I be? How can I do? What can you teach me? How can I learn? And they're happy. They're not taking me down and make me feel bad. Right. But the ones like the ones who just, they tug at you, they can only tug at you because they're behind you in the first place. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that. All right. I got a closing question for you, my brother. All right. um, as I went on this journey of dreamology and studying kind of what the dream life, naturally the idea of the American dream sort of popped into my head. Mm-hmm. And I started to think about how a lot of people my age are kind of like against the traditional version of the American dream, which is kind of the go to college, nine to five, get married, White House, whatever, right? This, this yeah. idea. And so I was like, what is, what is the definition of the American dream? Like what was it originally intended to be? So I looked it up 
and the definition struck me as pretty powerful. So I want to read it to you and then ask you a question here. So the right, definition, cool. two minutes. Let's do it. Okay. According to Google, uh, the American dream is the belief that anyone, regardless of where they were born or what class they were born into can attain their own version of success. So the part that really mm -hmm. stuck out to me was it's about your own version of success. The American dream yeah. is a huge concept that everyone has. It's your own individual idea. My American dream. And Always. So I yeah. had to ask you what your version of success looks like. Mr. Anthony Trucks, what would you say is your answer to that question? Control. Like that Janet Jackson song is just control, man. I know people will say freedom, but that just means you're free to, to go to a job that you hate. And I don't think we're completely free. Uh, I think control, man, controlling of my emotions, controlling how I navigate situations, but also control of my life. Like I get to get up and no one tells me besides my wife, like where to go, what to do. Like I, it's me. And I have control over the life that I was granted and given. So I can take time with my kids. I can take vacations. I can work with different people. I can do whatever I want. For me, that is my version of success. It's this, it's this control that can then create freedom. And man, that has been the biggest blessing of my life. That's why I try to give back to people also. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Anthony. And the question that I want to leave you with after this whole conversation is what we talked about around identity. Who do you want to become? Take five minutes, grab a journal, sit down and really write out that answer. And if you want to share them with me, again, my number is always open to you. 612-710-4605. You can text me, you can call me, you can do whatever. I am here to help be of service to you in your journey because there's many people who have been that for me and mine and I know the value of it. And just a reminder, my life has completely changed. I am now going on tour with Charlie Rocket. My brother, Tyler Bishop, is joining me. We are on a mission to make one million dreams a reality. And so my brother and I will be doing video creation, marketing, going to all the events around the U.S. where we are going to, as I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, Detroit, New York, Philly, D.C., Nashville, Florida. We're going all over the U.S. and we're making big things happen. And I will be talking about it and document it here on this podcast, as well as my YouTube channel, as well as my Instagram, TikTok, and all different things. So be sure to follow along. We're going to be doing some awesome things for people, and I can't wait to share the journey with you. And so with all that being said, people, go out there, make those dreams a reality, and I will see you next time.